Hey, you guys, welcome to another episode of Behind the Visual, where I interview all those people responsible for putting out all those images and videos you see out in your world every single day. I am your host, advertising and lifestyle photographer, Mark Hansen. And today, my guest is Michael Kaminsky. Love talking to this dude. We talked a little bit about um, all kinds of things, actually. He is the EP and director of production for Juice Pharma and their studio, B12. We talk about how Michael went from getting his Bachelor's of Molecular Biology at St. John's to uh, becoming a photographer and how all that kind of stuff happened. We talk about how he shot some bands, how he uh, got to have some birthday cake with B.B. King by shooting these bands. We talk a little bit about all kinds of other stuff, including when you go to see art producer, art buyer, creative director, art director, what is your goal? So he tells you what your goal needs to be uh, when you go to those meetings and it's not to try and get the job. He also talks a little bit about NYC SALT and which is a great mentorship program that he is now chairman of the board of as well as a mentor and it sounds like something I would love to be a part of right now. We talk about his thoughts on sending postcards and emails to uh, try and get some jobs as a photographer and actually a bunch of other stuff, including the time he was in Cuba doing some street photography and ended up proposing to a woman who lived there. So be sure and check it out, listen to it, hear about the time he fired a PA in Greece and a bunch of other stuff. This is so, um, we didn't even touch on half the stuff we needed to, so we're ending up gonna do a part two sometime down the road. So check this one out and let me know what you guys think. Not a problem. Well, let's get started. First of all, how the hell did you go from getting a Bachelor of Molecular Biology at St. John into becoming an EP Director of Production? <laughs> well, that might take the whole podcast work. Um, oh well, first of all, thank, thank you for reaching out. And, uh, you know, as you well know, I just love to talk to the community. I love to talk to folks like yourself. I'd like to thank Maria for putting us together because I know she'll watch yeah, us. Yeah, me too. Um, but it was interesting. So, um, you know, I was always the guy with the camera, right? Whether it was a little 110 or, you know, then they started to have like point and shoot 35s. And I, and I, I was always the guy that was like recording stuff or doing it. And I, I definitely got that from my mom. You know, she was the, she was like the family historian. She was always shooting stuff. And I don't even think I realized it at the time. And when I was at St. John's studying molecular biology, um, you know, you had to take, you had to take arts classes. You had to right. fulfill the university. And it was interesting because first I took a film class because I, all my buddies were upperclassmen and they were like, oh, take the film class. You just sleep through it. But I was fascinated by it because the way the guy broke down the stories. And then um, I took a photography class because I'd always loved photography and it was a, it was a film class. And really what I wanted to do was I always wanted to make my own prints. I always wanted to crop things the way I wanted them. I wanted to tone things the way I wanted them. And once I got in that dark room, it was all over. I mean, I would just, I never came out. My yeah. teacher gave me the, she gave me the keys to the dark room. Um, it was, I just, I just couldn't stop. I started like cross processing film and processing film in different, in, in different, in different chemistry. But the real thing that she did for me at that time was that she got me a pass to shoot the St. John's basketball team. 
Oh, and yeah. once I got a taste of that, capturing the moment, it, that was, it was pretty much all over. You know, at the same time, I had also, you know, to pay my way through college, I really got tired of flipping burgers and working in, in, in restaurants. So I went to work in a lab. So I started uh, uh, processing, you know, black and white, C41. I ran some of the tightest E6 uh, QLab lines on the East Coast. So I was really, I was really into the technical side of it. And that's what allowed me to shoot and make so many mistakes because I was processing my own film. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, the first time I went out to shoot a concert, which is primarily what I did for that, for that block of years was shoot shows. You know, my first show was Stevie Wonder at Radio City, and it was, That's it was mind-blowing. Yeah. But I didn't really know what I was doing. Like, I didn't have any mentors at the time. You couldn't look stuff up online and learn how to do things. So all those pictures are blurry because I shot at the wrong shutter speed <laughs> to try to compensate oh, for the God. exposure, you know? <laughs> so then, you know, you learn your lessons. And then, you know, those were the days of, there was a lot of high-speed film, like T-Max 3200 oh, was, yeah. my, was my best friend, you know? Because the whole thing was, and I've always wanted to put a book together called First Three Songs, No Flash. And it was, it was hard if, you know, if a band came out with red or light or purple lights, you know, it was it was hard to get a capture. So that's my long-winded answer for how... You shot a lot of bands. I did. I got to shoot... I, I pretty much got to shoot all of my heroes. Um, you know, I got to shoot the Stones, and um, I'll never forget. Like, they took the stage, and I was just standing there like... <laughs> and I was like, oh, I got to go to work. You know, I, I got to shoot. Pictures. But that really, you know, that really led to me... Um, I really enjoyed that, right? It started off with the sports. It started off with capturing the moment in the basketball games and things of that nature. But for me, it was all about those microseconds. It, if they came away from the microphone, because all I had seen, you know, most of the stuff that was out at the time was just like with the exception of, of, of the giants, you know, but most shots were just looking up the nose and the paper and yeah. stuff. So I always tried to get a different position and, you know, I shot a lot of shows for free. That's the way it was back then. You just, yeah. and then the record company would toss you every once in a while, they'd give you like 500 bucks to shoot something backstage. It would make up for all of those free shows at, at that time. But yeah, I got to meet, you know, I got to meet Kurt Cobain. Oh, wow. I got to have, um, I got to have birthday cake with BB King. That's and that was, cool. that was really cool. Yeah. That was a, a, a good friend of mine, Christine Wolf, uh, who is, uh, uh, she's still in the recording industry. Uh, she She's the person that I have to thank for uh, getting me all those photo passes and getting me all that access. But B.B. King was one of her acts and it was his 75th birthday. So he was playing at Jones Beach with Buddy Guy and Susan Tedeschi. So one of the things that I had to do was shoot him backstage. Every once in a while, you'd have to do like a handshake kind of, or like a lineup kind of thing. But, and I used to carry baseballs around me at the time. and it, I guarantee if you hand somebody a baseball, they'll sign it. I'll just say yeah, that. Okay. So I handed BB King the baseball and then he was like, you know, son, I'd like you to do one more thing for me. And I was like, anything, Mr. King, you know, what, what do you, what can I do for you? He's like, yeah, I need you to sit down and eat my birthday cake because he was diabetic. He couldn't have the cake. Oh, wow. So that was, yeah, there were just, there were just so many little moments like that. You know, most of the time I got to spend backstage, I kind of, I would kind of float in the background, you know, yeah. I just watching people throw themselves at the artists was, was, I, I thought it was amusing. 
the one thing I do regret, and I have to say this, and, and if Christine listens to this, she'll laugh, but like, I followed the rules back then, right? Yes. Like, yeah. if she said to me, Michael, don't shoot backstage, I did not shoot backstage. If she said to me, I got you the first three songs, I didn't shoot from the audience. And you know what? All my contemporaries at the time, they shot backstage, they shot from the audience. So if I could do it over again, I'd be a little sneakier. Sorry, Christine, but that's just the way. <laughs> yeah, I get but, that. I used to shoot, I used to shoot bands as well, but I was down in Charlotte, so I didn't get any of the cool, you know, so I was shooting all the local bands and I love it. I mean, I love shooting live, live bands, but yeah, that whole, you know, the, go ahead. Go ahead. You first. Oh, I'll say the only, the only time we had anything cool was um, Ozzy's, Zach Wild, Ozzy Osbourne was in town and Zach Wild showed up, some friends of mine were playing and Zach Wild just showed up at the end of the show, grabbed a guitar, got up on stage and started playing. I didn't shoot any of it with my still camera, but I was videoing, so I videoed the whole thing, but then I screwed up and gave the, the, can, the video to the band and they were gonna copy it and give it back to me. I never got it back. But you know, I saw those... a copy of it on, on YouTube. They had put it up there. So I saw a little bit of it. And Zach Wilde was about as big as I am, slightly bigger. And then now he's like this monster of a dude. But yeah, it was really cool because he was up there singing. And I didn't even know the dude could sing at the time. So he was singing and playing. So that was cool. But that's the coolest thing I got to shoot, unlike you. It's, it's those magical moments at the end of the show. I will say that uh, one of my favorite bands to shoot, and because of their policy, Metallica let you shoot the last three songs Oh wow! when they had all the, you know, the yeah. fire and all that stuff. So that was, I always thought that was a cool thing. You know, it was funny with the local bands because back then I, I did the same thing. I, I, I just, I'm just a disgruntled musician, right? I, I could, I tried to play guitar for yeah, years. Yeah, me too. I think I'm, exactly I, think I'm to, I think I'm told, I can't dance and I can't in my play office, guitar. I can eh, play them. <laughs> Fiddle around on them. Yeah, you know? me too. But, um, you know, I worked with a lot of local bands because I, I just enjoyed the whole vibe of it. But it came to the point where I literally had to go to the bank with them, have them take the cash out. And then I would like, back then I gave them the negatives. I wish I didn't do that these days yeah. as well. But these days I will shoot musicians for free. They want to come in. They want to have free portraits. I have been very fortunate over the last two years, uh, 2018 and 2019, to marching the, uh, the Mermaid Parade with a band called the uh, L-Train Brass Band. And that has just been ink. So I'll do like studio sessions with them. And they, they, they were supposed to come in for a big portrait session and a group shot, but COVID happened and all yeah. that. We were going to do it prior to the parade this year, you know. Oh, wow. So I do still enjoy. It's hard for me to, I got to tell you, it's funny about the music. And I think my friends and my girlfriend and my kids hate me for this, but like, I can't not think about the shot when I'm watching the show. Oh yeah. It's, it's really hard for me not to be like, Ooh, white light. Ooh, he's in a cone of light. <laughs> you know, like, but I, I really, I really did enjoy that. You know? Yeah. I so. yeah, completely understand. It. I did. I did too. I still last time when I shot was some friends of mine did like a reunion thing about, three, four years ago. And they actually had all these really cool lights set up, which they never had when they were playing when they were younger. And I loved every second of it, man. I got out there and was just bang, 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 bang the whole time and had a great time. You know, and, and it's also, hey, <laughs> it's also about, you know, like, look, they're, they're musicians. They yeah. might as well be photographers. They're in the same boat. Like, you know, 
creating art is, is a really hard way to make a living, but it's something that you're passionate about. So if I can help them out and then go see a show, it's, it's worth it. You know, marching in the parade with them, they just bring joy. It's a wave of joy that goes through the crowd. Everyone starts dancing and it's just, it's amazing. So yeah, I still, I still do enjoy doing that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Okay. So you decided you started shooting bands. How'd you end up at Juice? Actually, you know what? So you graduated from college. What did you do right after that? Was that when you just started shooting the bands and other stuff? Were you just shooting? Yeah. So when I graduated from college, um, I mean, this is a little personal, but I'll tell you anyway. I had expected to become a matriculating uh, graduate student, someone that would teach at the school. And I had done a couple of years of research for a professor. And he didn't come through at the end. Yeah. And not to speak badly of him, it just wanted, he didn't come through. I was bartending at the time before there was credit cards. And I was really making more money than God. It was ridiculous. Like I would, I would drop rolls of money in my parents' house because was, everything was cash. And I was shooting the shows at the same time. So I just oh, kind of wow. drifted away and just kind of got more and more into the industry. The way that I did it and the way that I satisfied my curiosity and my passions is that I always worked in labs, whether I was processing and printing during the day or I was processing and printing at night. But like, even when I would, even when I would shoot the shows, like, um, you know, I would go to Babu, I'd have a clip test done on my, on my E6 chromes. And then I'd go around the corner to 26th street and print them at my own color lab. So, that's that's what I was doing. That's how I was able to support shooting shows, which may be paid every once in a while right. if you were lucky or something like that. Um, and then from there, I made a very conscious decision to, I saw the Mac, you know, and um, I thought that the next logical step for me was to go from photography into printing. So I took a job in a commercial printing lab and I, I knew I was going to suffer, and I did. I worked in the bindery. I worked on the cutters. It was the clock ticks backwards when you do that work. It is, it is beyond monotonous. But there was always a goal. There was that air-conditioned, glassed-in <laughs> booth where everyone was sitting at those, at those Macs doing stuff. Very fortuitously for me, and again, this is why I mentor now. We can talk about that later. But yeah, absolutely. This is just another instance of a mentor stepping in it was this Yugoslavian guy named Paul, and he taught me how to make separations on a stat camera. So really? once I learned how to do that, they said, hey, you want to learn how to use a drum scanner? I was like, absolutely. So then I got to learn how to use a drum scanner. And then I actually got to learn to retouch on the Da Vinci system, which was really? weird because, yeah, back then, the big horse and pony show was that the moves happened in real time for Da Vinci. It would take overnight to render. Yeah. And then from there, once I, you know, once they, they saw that I knew color, that was, I was doing, I was scanning stuff for corporate uh, 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 year end reports and stuff like that. Um, then I got into pre-press. They, um, I, I made it, you know, it was funny too, because there were these six foot, light tables, stripping tables, they called them. Yeah. We cut the litho on to make the plates and stuff like that. And in the time that I was there over that five years, the tables went away and the Macs just filled up the room behind them until there was only wow. two tables at the very end. Yeah. So from there, 
I went to work with some friends of mine, uh, Stephen Berner and Jeff Sokolowski. They had a company called Digipint, and this was about 95. It was one of the first digital photography shops in town. And it was, it was looking back, I can't believe it, it was three pass cameras, red, green, <laughs> you know, a truck would go by, we'd have to reshoot. It was oh. all tailored. We couldn't shoot people back then. Yeah. Um, but that was a really good experience because it's, it's where I really started to become well-rounded. Like I learned how to code there. I learned how to cut video. I picked up most of my Photoshop skills there. So for me, it was the beginning of, I don't want to call myself a generalist, but knowing the whole proceed, the whole production, I know all phases of the, of the production now. So, um, yeah, I was working in, uh, uh, those guys closed up shop. I actually went back to financial print because it was very lucrative. I ran the, uh, I worked on the international desk on the commercial side and then juice reached out, uh, the, 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 uh, the head of the project management team at the time we had a common friend and for the first time in years, I didn't have to bring a specific resume. Right. I used to have a photography resume. I had a processing resume. Oh, wow. I had an HTML. I had a video resume, right? Because it was all specialists back then. And when I interviewed for Juice, they said, oh, no, we're looking for somebody that understands print and interact. And I was like, holy cow, this is great. And it has been. It's been great. I've been there for 15 years. And I did tell them when I interviewed on my first day, I said, hey, you guys, you don't have a studio here? Uh, we can't have that. You got to have a studio. Yeah, I was and I did. That was your idea. It, I did. I I started off in a six by nine closet, or what they called it was supposedly a meeting room back then. <laughs> and uh, you know, we did a lot of headshots. We did a lot of um, we did a lot of we do a lot of puzzle pieces for yeah. concepting and stuff like that. And now I have a thousand square feet with three bays and two VO boots just sitting there doing nothing waiting for the pandemic to end. <laughs> Way to get back to it. So that's, that's pretty much the abbreviated, um, that's, you know, that's the reader's digest version of me getting to choose and kind of coming full circle because, you know, how many production guys understand when they're talking about the mechanism, mechanism of action. So it was a good fit. It was, it was, I had the, I had the foundational learning from being in college and like I said, they were looking for someone to do everything. And it, it has come true. I mean, I will do everything from, I was in the studio last week doing a COVID safe shoot with two other people, tabletop stuff, to running a broadcast commercial, you know, with, with 300 people that they're creating stuff for us. So I've gotten, I've gotten to do everything and all the stuff in between. So it's, it's really been a fantastic run. Yeah, it sounds like it was a killer job. Like you just got yeah. a great, great deal going on there. You know, it's, it's, it's really important to surround yourself with stronger, faster, smarter people. Yeah. You know, it, 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 you can't do it all. And in advertising, you need a team, you need a team to, to handle different aspects of it. And I've been, I've been very fortunate there. It's, it's, it's been a good run. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. I always try and make sure that my assistants, know at least as much if not more than i do about everything we're doing 
I would, I would prefer to be the stupidest person in the yeah. room. Because <laughs> yeah. how, how else am I going to learn? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I'm if I am, there. you know, I have a natural tendency to take over the set. So wouldn't it be great if someone would teach me something different? And, and, right. you know, <laughs> I don't know. So. So on, we talked about it a little bit um, on our pre-conversation, but before you made it to Juice, I know you were going to different places and trying to get gigs. Tell me about this um, time you, were, you went, applied for it. You wanted to get a gig and you got totally rejected from it. Yeah, that was, a, all that. that was a classic. You know, I think one day when I have like extra money, I'm going to cast some people. I just want to film this little five-minute video. Yeah. <laughs> it would be great. So, yeah, this was a, this was a, this was a really good lesson. And, and this is a lesson that I, that I share with the SALT kids all the time. And I think the, the moral of the story is, is that you shouldn't be going to get the job. You should be going to make friends. You should be going to make a new acquaintance. So what happened was, is at the time I was shooting the shows and there was this big music festival uh, here in New York. And it was one of the rare opportunities to get paid to do the work, right? There were so many shows that they had to divide photographers up in different parts of the city or different nights to shoot different stuff. So I went to see this woman and it was kind of classic. You could still smoke cigarettes in your office at the time, you know. It's a nice lady. She's sitting behind her desk. She's got the black cat glasses. She had the red lipstick and the cigarettes. So I hand her my lipstick book. All over a cigarette every time she pulled it yeah, out. Yeah, on the yeah, yeah, on the, on the, on the, and the full ashtray over there. Oh god! It was, it was like I, I see it. I see filming it in black and white, like a film noir kind of thing, you know. But anyway, to to get to the point, what happened was is that she looked at my book like this. She never looked down. She just turned the pages. I was young. My personality is not much different now, but I guess it was worse then. But I stood up and I was like, really? Really, what the fuck was that? And I will never forget this, but just because of it, I'll never forget it. She just leaned back and said, let me tell you something. And she did. She told me the way the business ran. And she told me what to expect. And quite honestly, it was one of the best lessons I ever learned. You know, she said something along the lines of, I wish I could remember the exact quote, but like, I'm going to hire my sister's nephew's grandson. And all I need to do is look at five more books today. So learn how this works. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Walked out with my tail between my legs, you know? So it was a, it was a really good, it was a really good lesson about ego it was a really good lesson about, I, I don't care who you are, if you haven't been rejected multiple times, that you're not getting the full experience. You have to be rejected to know whether or not you have the fortitude to deal with that. And if you can't, you might wanna start finding something else to do because yeah. it hurts and it's deep. And it's your work and you may have spent your whole life on it. And the other person may not give a shit at all. And you know what? Now I don't care. Now, if I, if, if I were to put myself in a photographer's shoes and I think about a portfolio review, right? Here's how my best reviews go. Person sits down, we talk, they never open their book. It's just about making a relationship. So if I were to do that and I could not open my book, 
yeah. I would consider that a success. Oh, I agree. Yeah, that was, a, that was a, when we talked about that the other day, I kind of got lost in thought a little because it's funny what you remember. Like, I wish I could remember what building I was in or what street, but I just remember that one little vignette, you know. Well, that's the big yeah. part. <laughs> it was a, you know what though? I'm, I, I, and I've always said this, I'm, I'm really glad that it happened because yeah. why, why dance around? Why not just get the lesson right one time? I never had to be told again. That's for sure. I think it's good to have that. I mean, I had two people that helped me along the way. One was um, both were at modeling agencies because when I first started shooting, I thought the way to get work was to just go to modeling agencies and test shoot. And that would eventually lead to magazines or whatever. So I went to one um, agency in Atlanta and they, were, they looked at my book and said, you've got some good stuff, but you're not, there's no story here. This book isn't in any kind of order. It's random. It's all over the place. You need to figure out how to organize your book. And then the next woman told me that I saw about a year later, maybe six months was you can shoot, you know, exposure, lighting, you know, composition, all that, but you need better hair and makeup. You need better models. You need better clothing. And she said, because without that, this is nothing. And so yeah. those were two things for me that really stuck in my mind that, you know, got to make sure everything works, not just my end of this whole thing. So I think it's good to have somebody to help you along the way, help you teach you some things. I've had multiple people and then leading into that. I mean, you guys, you're doing the whole NC in a New York salt thing. So tell me a little bit about how you got into all that. Cause you're chairman. Is that right? You're chairman of the board on that thing as well as a mentor. Yeah, so hey, you're the man. Kind of <laughs> how this happened? I just turned around one day. Yeah, this is actually this is actually a good story. So uh, uh, Trisha Scott, who uh, uh, was a rep, merge left. She was yeah. in our offices, and um, she was showing Allison and I Dustin Cohen's work. Right, a, a gentleman that we ended up working with, becoming good friends with, and on the way out she pokes her head in and she's like, oh, you guys have a studio? And I'm like, yeah, look, your artists can come here and shoot, we can collaborate. And she's like, no, I work with this group called NYC Salt and they're looking for a place to shoot a video. And that was it. I went to one Salt meeting, I drank the Kool-Aid, um, you know, I started mentoring and eventually, you know, uh, got elected to be chairman of the board, which is just nuts when I think about it. but. It's been, um, it has been absolutely an incredible experience. And, you know, it's funny, I was on a, uh, it was World Photography Day on, on, uh, on Wednesday, I guess. And yeah. APA was very kind, uh, uh, Travis Keys and um, uh, uh, Deborah Gilbert had Alicia and I on as guests. And one of the things that came up in that conversation about talking about salt that I forget is that we learned so much from them. Like my life has changed from dealing with these kids who are from, in some cases, they might as well be from another planet, right? Their socioeconomic experiences yeah. are extremely opposite from mine. I've had a lot to learn about cultural mores and family and how to deal with the kids and stuff like that. And quite honestly, just their, their creative prowess has been, you know, inspiring and something to learn from. Um, but at its core, NYC Salt is a nonprofit 
that teaches kids life lessons through the arts. It's a photography program. It's a full commitment. Uh, uh, once they get into the program, uh, you know, we serve most of the kids that are underserved in New York City and don't have these opportunities. They don't have the arts in their school. As a matter of fact, our big push for next year is going to be in the Washington Heights area, where a lot of our kids are from, a lot of our successful graduates are from. Um, and um, what I do now, what my, what my primary involvement is now, is I work with the older kids, the alumni. So they're either working professionals or they're in college. And one of the great things about Juice is that they've always allowed me to support SALT. So two things. One, the SALT kids, we hire SALT kids for internships at the agency. So we've had like, you know, Mamadi Duboy has been there and Danny Martinez and Nora Molina. And what happens with that is not only do they get the real world experience about shooting, but it's about how to go to a meeting. Yeah. how to write an email. I don't have to teach these kids any creative stuff at all. They teach me. What do I have to teach them? How to be on time, how to follow up, how to do an estimate, how to follow up, how to call somebody back, how to yeah. follow up. <laughs> you know, so it's all those, it's all those little, like I had a business dad, that guy, Steve Berner, when I worked at Digipick, he taught me all that. He taught me how to make phone calls. He taught me how to ask for the money right away. He told me to get 50% up front and you'll never get paid. So those are the kind of things that I try to impart upon these guys. Um, and, you know, and plus we support them in their, in their personal endeavors. You know, I mean, Mamadi's all over the place. She's been shooting for the New York times for, it's gotta be two years straight now, wow. starting off at 21 years old, actually he was still 20 with the cover portrait of Spike Lee, That's his crazy. first professional. Yeah, it was. So this was, this was great. Mamadi was, was, was interning for us at B12. He was using the studio to create portraits. They had the year-end show, puts those portraits up, the Salt year-end show. The Times, uh, Kathy Ryan sees his work, and he gets sent on an on a assignment to Africa to travel a 600-mile round-trip Hajj with his family, a, a, a religious uh, event, and he photographs the whole thing. Video, photo, he kills it. His first assignment when he comes back was to shoot Spike Lee. And one of the guys in B12 actually went as his assistant, my friend Dan. Wow. So we're really involved with the kids. Like um, I go to a, uh, there's a standing um, alumni meeting every Wednesday evening where we get together with the kids and, you know, the kids, they're not kids anymore, they're adults. Yeah. Um, and just trying to help them avoid those trap doors as they go, as they go through their lives, you know. Are you guys still doing that even with COVID, like over Zoom or something? Yep. And that's one of the things that I was, uh, uh, I was really glad. Adam Chinitz and Scott Thody, who teach the residency classes, look, the, the spring was disruptive enough, right? We couldn't have a year-end gallery show. We had to have a, a Zoom, a virtual. We had a, a book sale. We had a print sale but it just wasn't the same. So what they've done is that they've continued the classes over the summer. So they're still teaching. They've never That's stopped. Good. You know, one of the things, you know, we do every couple of years, we'll do some videos and we'll ask the kids, you know, salt is, and then they fill in the blank, you know, and a lot of them, it's family, it's home, it's safe. So we, we provide that atmosphere for them so that they can feel safe and more so 
to learn how to express themselves through, through, their, through their art and whatever they're creating. Because they're not all photographers, you know, some of them are videographers, some of them are illustrators. You know, a lot of the kids have gone on to successful careers in banking and business and, and, and different areas like that. Um, 100% of the, of the kids over the, I think it's 11 years now, oh, wow. they've all been accepted to college. It's 100% acceptance rate. Wow. They don't all go, you know, right. and like Malik Sidibe, right? He's out there working and killing it. He's another one. He just had the cover of the New York Times magazine for the, for the riots in Brooklyn, for the protests in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. Wow, man. So, yeah, these kids are, they work really hard. They never stop shooting. So it's, it's kind of a joy to support them. Do they still call me at the last minute after I've told them a million times not to? <laughs> Do they still not follow up? Sometimes. Yeah. But it's been a, it's been a real, um, it's been a real labor of love. And I definitely owe Trisha that for, for hooking me in the beginning. Damn, it sounds amazing, man. Hell, you made me want to go do it. Yeah. And you know, when things get back to normal, one of the standing things that I have is that, I mean, some really great things, some really great things have happened, uh, in the spring and the fall. Uh, and one of those is that the Nikon ambassadors, have agreed to uh, mentor the kids one-on-one. -on -one. So they're going to get, I mean, I want to be a soldier. Yeah, no kidding. I was looking at the list and I was like, her, him, her, I'll take, who's left, you know? So there's a lot of opportunities for that. But I always say, and, and of course this would have to be when things are normal again. If you want to come shoot personal work in my studio, you want to do some light tests, you want to do some crazy, I don't care, whatever you want to do, bring the salt kid in and the studio is yours. Yeah, that's great, man. Any opportunities that they can have to learn or assist or things of that nature, you know. Um, and then I try to look for them for, for positions at other agencies because that's where they learn the, the business interactions, mm -hmm. right? It's one thing, you know, it's one thing to be a one-man show, but when you're at a conference table with 12 people, the etiquette is very different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, it's a learned skill. One of the things that I think has been great uh, for the, for the SALT uh, students that have interned at the agency is that they get to see other photographers and reps come in and present their work. Oh, that's is, cool. Uh, which is a fascinating dynamic, right? You got the photographer oh, yeah. alone, you got the rep alone sometimes, you got the photographer and the rep and they either get along or they don't. So there's all these different, so I, I love when they get to see that kind of real world stuff. Yeah, I would love to have seen all that when I was getting started and see how all that works out. Because, yeah, I've never had a clue. You know, I've never seen it. You know, I only know my experience with it. So I don't even know what it's like when another photographer goes in or another rep goes in with their photographer or whatever. I just know my end. And there are plenty of times where I've thought about it and go, I wonder if this is anything like when other photographers come in. Is it the same kind of deal? Is it totally different? I mean, how does it all work? There, I mean... Many portfolio shows are similar where the, yeah. the, you know, multiple artists work gets to come and laid out. Um, but I would tell anyone if they have the opportunity when, when things are normal, if you're, if you're in the town that that portfolio show is in, that's a great way to meet the creatives at the agencies. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that really works well. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's I'm, hard to I'm, make that happen nowadays. It used to be a lot easier. Nowadays it's very hard to make it happen. It's funny. I always tell the reps, I'm like, I hate to tell you, but do you want them to come and see your books? Feed them. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid, but it works. You know, it's yeah. like, it's just, it's just human nature. I had one producer one time I was going up to, um, I think it was McKinney or someplace. And they were like, 
okay, well, come, why don't you come about four o'clock and bring, you know, some beer and some food. And I'm like, all right. So I rolled in there with like this cooler and a big thing of food and, <laughs> and they showed up. I don't know how much attention they paid to my books, but you know. But they wouldn't, this is, this is what I say to them. I said, they wouldn't have seen it. Right. Right. It's oh, the yeah. same thing. You know, it's, it's funny. I just had this conversation with, uh, with someone this morning that, that actually that I've, I've worked with multiple times. Um, you know, sometimes people get mad, like when they bid on jobs and they don't get them, which I'll never understand. Cause if you come in thinking you're yeah. going to get the job, you're, you're doomed to begin with. But I always try to say like, don't you understand? There's now between eight and 20 people in the world that are familiar with your work now. Right. You know, you know, sometimes it takes five years to finally get a job from a client or something. Along yeah, it literally took five years for one client because I met them at a convention where it was one of these where they were, it was for a clothing company and they were showing all their clothes and I would go to booth to booth and just introduce myself, look at their pictures and say, God, you need new pictures. You know, I wouldn't tell them that, but I would say hi, introduce myself, give them my card. And then I would email and keep up and follow up and follow up. And this one guy out in LA, it was literally five years later, I'm sitting down at dinner on a Friday night at this restaurant. I get a call, pick up my phone, answer, and the guy's like, hey, and it's Andy. And he said, you know, we've got a shoot coming up. I'd really love for you to do it. I'm like, all right. He said, can you be in LA on Monday? <laughs> I was like, it's Friday. Sure, I can be in LA on Monday. I'll make it happen. He's like, all right. And then he calls me back later that night and said, well, we got to push it to Wednesday. I was like, well, good. That gives me at least a little more time. Thank you. <laughs> it gives me time to pack. You know? Yeah, exactly. But it was literally five years later. But I went out there and it was a three-day shoot. And it was, so it was worth, you know, the effort and worth that meeting to meet this guy. You know, that's a, that's a, um, it's interesting, right? Because that's a topic of conversation that always comes up when I speak, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate, right? I've, I've been on both sides of the table. So I, I completely understand each party's desires and what they're trying to achieve and stuff like that. And it's funny because people are always asking me, how do you stay in touch, right? Yeah. Because if you just stay in touch after five years, it pays off, right? Right. And I think that, I think what people should know is that it's about keeping a soft touch. Right. It's a soft touch. I have asked the agency, two dozen times to take the phone off my desk. I don't use it. Yeah. Don't, I don't know anybody call does, really. producers. Don't call art buyers. More than likely, they've got two screens in front of them. They're on the phone. Their cell phones. No way they're picking up some random cold call. Yeah. Do not do that. Send postcards. Postcards go on the wall. Do you have walls? I mean, Absolutely. don't even really have a wall anymore. Hundreds of postcards. Yeah. Hundreds. And here's my, here's my, I'll just tell you all the things that I experienced over the years. Put your name on the front of the postcard. That's something I do not understand. Them not putting your name or your website. Cause my cards something. always have at least my website, usually my logo and my website on the front of the car, because I know nobody's going to sit there. If you put it up, if it's you're not lucky, coming off. It's put up. Yeah. Nobody's pulling it off to look at the back of it. Yeah. I never understood. And I've heard that from multiple people. It's like, you got to put your name on the front. I'm like, who doesn't do that? You know, I get a lot of arguments about violating the sanctity of the image. And I'm like, are you sending it to a museum or are you yeah. sending it to, it's going to get dumped in a thousand other cards on my desk. 
Yeah. If it's going in a yeah. frame and going on your wall, okay, don't put your name and your info on it. But if you're trying to get work out of it, this is a promotional piece. It's not artwork. No matter how much you consider it artwork and how much work you put into it and curate it, when it comes down to it, it's a promotional piece that needs to have your information on it so that you can look at it and see it immediately and not have to go flipping through to the back page or flip it over or whatever it is. Absolutely. You know, that's the other thing with emails too, right? If you send me new work, I will look at it. I ask people to send me new work. A lot of people make a mistake. This infuriates me. It's just one of those pet peeves. So if you did that and you're out there and you listen to this, I'm sorry, but it drives me crazy. <laughs> They'll send me an email with new work and I click through and it's not on the site. Yeah. So I'm like, so what? I don't, there's nothing for me to look at. Right. I don't know. It's just, just one of those things that drives me nuts. But that's, see, that's, that's the type of appropriate soft touch to have. Hey, got new work. It's just an email. I'm, I'm either going to read it or not. I mean, I'm going to read consider it. consider a soft touch. Do you consider a soft touch once every four months, six months, or do you consider a soft touch once every other week because some people have different definitions of that some people may oh a soft touch is if i don't bug your ass every single week i just hit you every other week and then other people are going like nah you know like maybe once every three four months six months it's months it's it's months unless you are churning out the world's most eye-stopping portraits for six weeks straight then send them all i mean you know it just it doesn't but I think the I think the quarterly thing is good. I think four times, yeah. you know, because plus I'm gonna get your you're gonna you're gonna, you know, there's plenty of things that you can do that are non-invasive, which the email is is the easiest one, right? Hey, I got some new work. Cards work, you know, they work well. They go up on the walls. People reference them all the time. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I get it. So how much do you still shoot daily? Uh, I would say for my, for the agency, I'm not shooting anything right now. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> well, before all COVID, were you shooting? Yeah. I mean, I do the jobs. I do the jobs at B12 that kind of nobody else really wants to do. You know, I'm shooting, I'm shooting headshots. I'm shooting stuff on white, uh, do a lot of video interviews. I would say about 70% of the work that we do in the studio is concepting for the brand teams right? They need a, they need a puzzle piece. Hey, I need you to put on a lab coat and shoot a green screen video pretending to be a doctor to do this. Or I need you to, we do a lot of that for the concepting. I would say about 20, another 20% is the jobs that we actually run through the studio as B12. But it's been really cool too, because we kind of have three levels, right? We have the level where it's completely contained and I'm just using my staff to shoot very simple stuff. And then there's the next level where we act as the production company. So I'm bringing in a photographer like yourself. I'm bringing in a director and his DP and his crew. But it's kind of that like medium level. I don't really need more than that. Maybe right. one or two grips and somebody on audio. And then there's the tertiary level where we're, you know, we're hiring a full-blown production company like Backyard or Pulp Stone or somebody like that. And we're just guiding the ship through. So... How much of that stuff are, okay. In the B12 on the website, there's a, there's a reel or on Vimeo or something. Are you the pirate? I am the pirate. You are the pirate? I thought so. Yeah. I was watching that. I was like, hey. So the pirate, 
that is an amazing story. So not only do we have an internship with SALT, we also have an internship with the Graduate Digital Photography Program at SVA. Oh, wow. So for, for the past five, four or five years, we've had their students um, uh, 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 interning with us as well. And that's just a whole nother level because they're older, they're, they're usually professionals for the most part looking to, to launch their careers. Um, and that was a gentleman named Brooklyn McTavish. And what Brooklyn did was that he paid for a lot of people to get DNA tests. And then once we, he found out what our, what our heritage was, he had a costume designer and a, um, and a makeup artist come in and recreate those looks. Really? So I got to do the pirate. I knew my ancestors were Irish pirates. It's always been a big part of my family oh, wow. history. Um, I knew the other stuff came through and we were always, and we were always uh, curious in my family if there was like a Middle Eastern thing and there was. So the, with another really cool thing that happened that day was when uh, Brooklyn shot multiple people. He also shot Jaime Permuth who's one of my mentors and heroes, and I've been to Cuba with him. We both had a Middle Eastern, so we got to wear the garb and do all that stuff. And then the best part was that we deliberately went across the street to McDonald's just to <laughs> grab a burger. And my son, Luke, was shooting the BTS. And as expected, nobody blinked. Nobody even looked. <laughs> what I'm hoping is going to happen with Brooklyn now is that he's actually gotten some interest from the scientific community to continue this project. So I'm hoping that, that that's going to work out, but that's what, that's what that was born from. That's a cool idea. I like it that. was, yeah, it was really fascinating. Yeah. Damn. So who knew? So you were, your whole family was pirates. Apparently they had the choice to either go to the new world or go to jail. Huh. So to jail. I guess they chose to <laughs> sail. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Were there a lot of people who had like Native American? Because I've heard that they don't have, they don't really do the DNA thing. So, because there are some people that, some models especially that I know that you look at them and you can tell it's in there, but then they would do the DNA test and it wouldn't come back at it at all. So I didn't know. There was, there was actually one woman that did come back with that. So I did get to see that. But one of the most fascinating parts about that process, like for me, I, I had already done like a genealogy thing when I was a senior in high school. So I kind of knew a little of it, right. but being there when Brooklyn would reveal to somebody that they had some crazy, like, I don't know, South Pacific, Pacific Island heritage or something that they didn't know about. And that was just, that part was, that was awesome. You know, and plus it, it reaffirmed a lot of folks that knew that they had like uh, African roots and, and things like that. So it just can, it can, and, and to see the, the happiness when they realized that it was all true. But my favorite part was when somebody would be like, huh, or, what? You know, that was, that was just fascinating. Were you shooting video on the reactions when they found out? Or you just happened to be there? I happened to be there, but he did shoot he shot, there's actually an interview with me on his site. He, he interviews everybody after they found their results. So I guess I could, I haven't watched them all, but that some of that might be in there. Okay. And what's his last name? Brooklyn McTavish. McTavish. Ah, McTavish, huh? Mm -hmm. All right. So he's Jewish. He's, <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he is 
one of the nicest people on the planet. That's he's a great just, last name. I like that last name. He's got a couple of names, that guy. You'll see if you need him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't just expect him to come it. walking in with a bottle in his hand. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, you know, it, it's funny because somebody had just asked me about the reel the other day. And yes, there is a ton of my personal work dropped in there because you know, we'd, we'd love to work for folks besides pharma. So all the concert, all the surfing stuff, all the, yeah. that's, you know, that's what I shoot these to, to come full circle and, and answer your original question. That is, that is what I shoot. And like, you know, like it's kind of funny. some of the things like I haven't done this in years and years, but we just had new neighbors move in next door and I'm going to shoot their baby on the beach for, you know, oh, just wow. for fun. Like, yeah. but for me, you know, if I'm going to go out and shoot, it's about, it's about being mobile. It's about capturing the moment. It's about finding something. Um, like I love to shoot sports and surfing and, yes. and, and I love, love, love to shoot on the street. Um, so that's a, that's another way that I get my Jones. Like a lot of times when I was traveling for production, I would go to different cities for jobs. I would just end up wandering around by myself because nobody else wanted to. So yeah. I, I enjoy that type of shooting. Yeah, it's funny. Like I, I love having a 300 person crew and all this craziness, but it, it, I, I like both ends of it, both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. That's probably my favorite way to shoot. I think it's just, is doing little stuff like that. And I'm just now finally moving towards that as what I'm putting on my site and all that is because I've always enjoyed it. I've, shooting, I think shooting weddings was actually a, as much as I hate it now. I think I started shooting at 16 and I think that was probably the best thing for me when it came to that, because I learned to watch for those moments and be able to catch it right as it was happening. And then I was shooting like sports when I was in school and then bands and all that stuff like you were talking about. And I love going traveling and shooting like that. So yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from on that. I mean, when you look in hindsight, I mean, that's the greatest part but we're for, we're so lucky and we're so fortunate, but by being creatives or photographers or whatever, just think of all the people you've gotten to meet and all the places you get to go and all oh, yeah. the doors that open. It's, 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 it's definitely the best part, you know? Yeah. But yeah. And it's funny too. Like it's, it's, I, I love shooting on the street and there's, to be honest with you, there's a, there's a thrill of not getting caught. Yeah. Because when someone catches you, there there is no worse feeling. Like I know the color just starts drain out of my face and be like, mm, sorry. <laughs> you know, well, you're on the street, you're fair game, you know. But I actually did that, that through the pizza place we get pizza from every Friday night. I was shooting through the window and I just put my iPhone and I just pulled it up and right as I went to shoot it, the woman inside turned and just looked right at me. I went, Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's there's no there's no worse feeling than getting this thing guy while you're There was a homeless dude in South Beach because I was living in South Beach for like three, four months. And dude had the coolest look. But he was, you know, he hated people pretty much. So one day I saw him walking and I had my camera, I had this long lens, but I'm like, there's no way he's going to know I'm shooting him from here. I'm going to grab a couple of shots of this dude. He turns right as my camera came up. Something hit in his head, I guess, just said, look out. He turned, looked right at me, unzipped his pants, reached down in there. I was like, okay, all right, all right, all right. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I'm moving on. I'm moving on. 
I, I have a old. very, you know, it's funny. I have a very, uh, I have a very funny street story from Cuba. So I'm walking around and I'm shooting and um, there's a, a woman in a doorway and uh, she's probably like in her seventies or so. And like there's different ways to shoot on the street. Like you want to capture the moment, but sometimes it makes more sense to engage first or ask first, right? Yeah. This was one of those times where I figured I'll just pull the camera up. So she pulls the, I pull the camera up and she's going, no, 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 no. And I'm like, okay, cool. I got caught again. Yeah. What I didn't realize that she was saying, because I don't speak Spanish, which is so embarrassing. She was saying, no, 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 don't fall in love with me. <laughs> so then I went back and I was able to shoot her portraits. I got down on one knee and I proposed to her in the street. <laughs> it was like this whole thing. So it was the it was the one time that getting caught actually it, it actually worked, out. worked out. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I think I know you gotta go in a few minutes. So I'm gonna hit you with the last question, but I think we need to do a part two because I wanna hear because sure. I wanna do a lot. I wanna talk about Cuba. And I know that's mm -hmm. more than a five minute conversation. And uh, even more about you shooting with bands and all that kind of stuff. So at sure, some point, I'd love to come back. Work out a, a part two. And, and I we'll just got to go pay the rent, you know. I'm hey, sorry. Man, I completely get it. I understand. <laughs> so tell me, what's the strangest thing that's happened to you since you've been doing this whole deal? Just since you started shooting. Let's say since you, since you graduated with your degree in molecular biology <laughs> and you got out of school, what's the strangest or most interesting thing that's happened to you? I can't do the most interesting because there's been a million of those. I mean, just one moment that just eclipses the other. Um, there's been a lot of strange stuff. I just yeah. shot in a, I shot in an insane asylum with Walter Smith last year. That really? was, that was interesting to say. It was an abandoned place that we used. That just had a really weird haunted feel to it. Bad. But I would say one of the weirdest things that's ever happened and I've never had to go through this or experience this again, was that we were shooting in Greece and we were shooting, um, we were shooting outdoors. It was a pretty small production. Um, uh, we had brought uh, uh, the director and, and, and the DP from the States, um, but everybody else was, was local and filled in. And we had this gentleman who was our, he was kind of like the driver and the PA and he, 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 fulfilled a lot of roles. So we go to lunch and you know, it's Europe. People drink for lunch. I mean, I'll have a beer in New York. I don't have to be in Europe, you know, yeah. but I'm watching this guy and I'm just watching him just pound red wine. And I'm like, I don't drink wine. So I'm like, I don't know. I'd, I'd be on my ass already, you know? So I'm like, all right, man, maybe he can, maybe he's fine. We get back on set and he's wasted. And his job at the time was to, he was carrying a remote monitor for the DP because we were shooting untethered and we were following kids through a park, like um, blowing bubbles and, and doing cool kind of kid stuff. And he was just so wasted and he had the cigarette hanging out of his mouth and he <laughs> turns and he starts to talk bad to my client. Like, I got this out of my And I'm like, that's it. I'm like, cut, everybody, stop. I'm like, you're fired. You leave right now. That's it. You don't get a second chance. You can't talk to my client like that. And he got into the van and he was, like I said, he was wasted. And he starts pulling out and like, 
and he almost hit a couple of the people that were there. Oh my God. And then he just, I, we never saw him again. So that's like, I've never really had anything bad happen when I'm shooting. All I have is good memories and friends that I've made and great and, and learning experiences. But that, that sticks out as a, as a, that was a, that was a moment. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> and I never had to do it before that. And I've, I've never had to do it since, but that That's was good. Yeah. Yeah. That was a weird one. Well, damn. well, man, thank you, Michael, for being on here and doing this. Yeah. I appreciate it. We definitely need to set up a part two so we can talk about Cuba and, and all that kind of stuff as well. So. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll send you some of the images and, you know, yeah. That would probably be best to, to talk through them. Um, yeah, that'd be Do cool. it that way if, if you'd like. No, I'd, absolutely. And we can pop them up on the screen so people can see it while we're talking about it and that kind of deal. Yeah, sure. that'd, be great. that'd be fantastic. Yeah. I want to stay now. I don't want to go back to work. I know. I want to hang out with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to keep talking as well. But I know you got your two o'clock, so I want you to be able to take care of that and go do your thing. And, you know, I know you got a real job. <laughs> Yeah. Make real yeah. money. I got two kids in college. I got to I got to do it. I got I got one more year and I'll have two in college. So I just got one at the moment. All right, man. Well, thank you very much. And uh, we'll talk very soon. Okay, Mark. Take yeah. care, man. Bye.